Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Thank you for listening to the Meritage Resort Podcast, coming to you from the beautiful Napa Valley. Season one, the Chardonnay Classic. And now your host, Ben Lazzarini. Take it, Ben. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Merited Resort Podcast. This is episode three of the Chardonnay Classic Series. Today, we are delighted to have on three guests from the property, chefs Jose, Rachel, and Carlo. And before we get into interviewing the chefs to find out all the goodies that we have lined up for the lunches and dinners at the Chardonnay Classic, I want to really quickly recap episodes one and two. If you're just joining us now on episode three as your first listen, if you're looking for information about the entire weekend of the event, please check out episode one. And if you're looking for information about the Psalm Foundation and the philanthropic nature of this event, check out episode two, where we interviewed Master Sommelier's Thomas Price and Jay Fletcher. So with that, let's welcome our guests to the show. Jose, Carlo, and Rachel, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Okay, so purpose of today is to talk about all the amazing culinary experiences of the weekend. And it's a pretty ambitious menu planning endeavor here when you have six to 10 different experiences. So right off the bat, where do you, what's, what's uh, question number one in your mind when you start to think about planning for an experience like this that's so specifically tailored to one grape variety, but then also so many others? For me, it's always going to be like, you know, focusing on what's in season uh, first. You know, what can we use that's um, at its peak? That we can you know highlight with uh these uh with these amazing chardonnays the second thing is uh you know not try to be uh just be creative and come up with you know as many ideas and dishes as we can and then kind of like see how we can narrow it down okay carlo anything to add to that um for me it's uh just to piggyback off of what chef said you know of course seasonality is important for me it's everything you know dancing in one note so wine and the food kind of have to coincide for me and you know start off with something simple and then expand from that idea when when we're talking about chardonnay are there certain things that are just off the idea board as far as pairings are concerned because of that flavor profile of that grape i mean is that limit you or does that really is it a grape where anything can work no not everything can work um but uh there's a way you can manipulate it to work i think uh, when you just kind of add like the, you know, the salt, fat, acid, sweet, and all that stuff, you know, that kind of works well. And then you kind of enhance it a little bit more depending on the wine that we're going to be pairing it with, whether it's a little bit more buttery with, you know, um, it has a lot of ML, we're going to add a little bit more of the creaminess, less acid on the, on the dish uh, versus those newer Chardonnays that are, you know, very acidic and, and a lot lighter, um, then you can kind of play with a lot of like high acid ideas and kind of pair it with that, you know? Yeah, that's a great point because when you think about it, again, we've been saying it on the podcast, I think every episode, but Chardonnay really is a chameleon-esque grape. You can have something that's bracing and linear like Chablis, and then you can have something that's more ripe and fruit forward with, like you said, malolactic fermentation, which gives it that buttery component, which is a completely different textural and structural experience. I mean, it just completely opens things up for you all. 
So in addition to the Chardonnays, of course, every lunch and dinner that we're going to have is going to include red wines from these producers and on occasion sparkling wines as well. So what changes when we start talking about thinking of red wine food pairings and sparkling food pairings? For me, it's where it's uh, where it's uh, grown. You know, if it's coming like from the coast, you know, you kind of have that uh, almost like uh, lighter because uh, kind of in color and lighter and in uh, like uh, body, so you can kind of kind of pair with that. Um, you kind of have a, a a region of where to go with the menu, um, or you can go with like you can still add fish. You can still do certain like you know light proteins to go with like a lighter pinot um where versus like you're going with like a russian river where it's going to be a little bit full body or you know more or, or napa pinot where it's you know borderlining a cab sometimes um you know you can kind of like see how heavy you can go with the dish great so what i'm hearing is it sounds like when we're building out menus for food pairings around wine the structure of the wine specifically the acid and the tannin level is the most important. Obviously, tannins aren't really associated with white wines. However, they do have phenolic grip to them in certain instances. But is that is that what's true here? I mean, it sounds like the flavor profile as far as it having orchard fruit versus stone fruit, that's a little bit more secondary to what's going on when it comes to the structure of the wine. To me, yeah. I mean, I, I can... Because I think if you think of it this way, you can have you can open up the possibilities and be a little more creative instead of just sticking to like, you know, oh I smell, you know, I get like you know cherries and and I you know or or you know blueberries. So you're kind of like gonna just be kind of like one dimensional. Uh, but if you can kind of base it off the structure as well as the flavor profile, then you can kind of get a little bit more creative and get to have you know, more ideas that can kind of pair well with that wine as well. And, and what makes a more powerful pairing? Is it something that's where the food component's more simplistic or more complex? I mean, if you get too much complexity with the food, is it competing or is it amplifying? Exactly. Yeah, I think if you go simple, for sure. We don't want to, like, for me, it's like, I don't want to like match blueberries to blueberries, but you could match like lighter, brighter fruit to uh, a lighter, brighter wine, you know? Got it. Carlo, anything to add? Um, yeah, just, you know, when you when you go into reds, it kind of changes your your palate, you know, because acidity makes your, your mouth water. And, you know, the tannins kind of grip that wine and makes it stay there. So you kind of have to play with what what can cut that, what can enhance that, what, you know, balances that and gives it that full one note. And yeah, just the dish, dish and the uh, wine speak to each other. Well, hopefully you all get to do some trial and error on all these pairings that you're making in the kitchen <laughs> well in advance multiple times <laughs> as we lead into this event. So talking about sourcing all the unique ingredients, Rachel, I understand that there's a garden at the Meritage Resort that's being utilized. Uh, right now in the garden, we've got a lot of green garlic, leeks, um, spring vegetables. So we've got a lot of Swiss chard. And as um, we get more into the summer, we'll start using more uh, tomatoes and peppers and summer vegetables in the restaurant at dinner. Great. So it does sound like some of those veggies are, in fact, going to be used at these menus, though, throughout the lunches and dinners, which is really awesome to have that farm-to-table experience. I'm assuming that the intensity of those vegetables and herbs are obviously much more pronounced than if they were coming from a place that was further away. 
Absolutely. I mean, I was just up there yesterday and we had these amazing sugar snaps that are uh, finally coming in. They were flowering about a few days ago. And then when I was up there today, you know, some of the sugar snaps, there's beautiful purple sugar snaps. They're about almost like two inches uh, long now. And, and then just, I just grabbed one and it was just so sweet. It was just like, it was such an amazing uh, flavor on it. Super clean, uh, which to me, it was like something I would pair very well with a Chardonnay is in there uh, for sure. I've never actually had a sugar snap before. So what exactly is that? It's a flower? It's a it, vegetable? It's a, it's a vegetable. Okay. Yeah. It's like a, it's in the, in the beans family, like a pea. And you would, for the purposes of a Chardonnay, how would you actually, would you couple that with something else or would it really just work right off the, right off the garden? I mean, these ones are amazing. Yeah. They would work off the, right off the garden, just a wow. quick blanch and then, um, or even raw, I think because the raw just, it just has a lot of, uh, really nice sugars that, uh, it'll work really well, uh, with, with, uh, with wine for sure. Very cool. So let's talk about, we don't have time to go into the specifics of every single menu we have lined up for this weekend. I, I really do think that I, I, in front of me, I believe there's at least seven private lunches and dinners between the two and a half days. So let's just take one and we can run through that in its entirety. That way we can give the audience an idea of what to expect at all these experience. So let's just start with the first one, which is the Costa Brown lunch on Friday. Jose, what is in store for our guests? Uh, we have a store. It's going to be a, a, a first course will be a, a Campachi Tartar. Uh, we're going to do like a Charlie puree, little some sea beans, radishes, and a lemon confit. This uh, goes really well with like the coastal Chardonnay that we uh, tasted. It, it has just a, a lot of like uh, briny notes to it. It just really works. I think it'll work really well with uh with the uh, with that wine um the second course uh is going to be the their pinot noir so we're going to go with like a nice uh, roasted pork uh some pork belly a little a fresh sherry uh cherries uh that'll uh be just uh coming in pretty soon uh we do like a little relish of that um and then uh and an edamame puree as well and then we're going to add a little cherry uh, demi-glace to go with it as well. Be a nice dish. Sounds delicious. Um, and then uh, we're going to do a, a, a little cheese plate for the for the final uh, course there. Uh, and then we're going to just uh, end it up with a few little truff, chocolate truffles. Absolutely scrumptious. Cannot wait. I we Jose and I were reminiscing about the first Chardonnay Classic last year. And I was complimenting him on how much of an impact or impression the meals left. One of them in particular was a dinner with Chateau Montalena. And talking about contrast, that's a, that's a wine that is known for having really good acid and being lively on the palate. And you paired it with this truffle risotto that had this Parmesan mousse that was, honestly, it was the best probably the best risotto I've ever had in my entire life. Um, so that was a brilliant, brilliant pairing. I can't wait to try the food this year. I'm sure it's going to be as good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it should be, it should be good. It'll be, it'll be delicious. We're excited to do it and excited to have a good, we have a good team in place. So 
just to recap what listeners have to look forward to from a culinary experience at the Chardonnay Classic, we've talked about Friday's Costa Brown lunch. Friday night, there are two dinner options. You can choose from Treasury Wine Estate's portfolio dinner or a Phelps dinner talking about Sonoma Coast. It's been a topic so far in this episode. Phelps is going to be featuring wines from their Freestone site, which is on the Sonoma Coast. So again, those are going to be very bright, lively wines. Saturday, we're going to kick things off with a Jan's Mimosa Bar. Then we're going to go into a Catena lunch that's also coinciding with a Vase Felix and Jan's lunch. So Catena is from Argentina. You're going to be able to taste Chardonnay, of course, but they're also going to have some really cool Malbec for you to try, which is what is predominantly grown in Argentina. And the Vase Felix lunch and Jan's lunch is going to be focused on wines coming out of Australia. Then Saturday night, we have Lingua Franca, an esteemed producer of Oregon Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that's owned by a master sommelier, Larry Stone. He's actually going to be there to walk everybody through the wines. And we're also finalizing the last dinner. I can't announce it just yet, but we'll be able to update you as we progress throughout this podcast series. And on Sunday, we have a chef's brunch lined up before we go into the classics of the new world. All right, let's transition into our grand tasting overview. That was so much fun talking to the chefs. I mean, everybody who's listening has so much to look forward to when we're talking about the culinary experiences. And it's going to be throughout the entire weekend, right? Lunches, dinners, light bites. And at the grand tasting, we're in fact also going to have some culinary goodies for you to enjoy. So it takes place on Saturday at 2.30 to 4.30. It's called Grand Tasting aptly. We're going to have 30 plus producers there who are all going to be featuring about two to five wines each. So when you total it up, there's going to be well over 100 wines for you to enjoy. Every producer is going to be featuring a Chardonnay but every producer is also encouraged to bring other wines. Some may bring three or four Chardonnays. Some, however, might bring a Cabernet. Last year, Antonori, who was being represented by Antica, which is their Atlas Peak property, also brought some incredible wines from Italy. So it's not going to be just necessarily limited to you know Chardonnay from that producer's own estate, in the instance of Antonori, you're also going to be able to try some examples from their entire portfolio. So we have a few like that. Uh, so it's going to be wines that encompass the entire world over, really. And it's going to be things outside of Chardonnay. So expect a lot of fun new wines to try, things you probably have never seen before. And you're going to be able to interact with the brand producer ambassadors and ask them all the questions you may have. And it's going to be a really unique opportunity to taste that spectrum that we've been talking about in these podcasts in that it's it's such a vast spectrum for Chardonnay when you think about its acid profile and when you think about its fruit profile. And the idea behind the grand tasting is that with 30 producers there, coming from all over the world, you're really going to be able to have a experience where you can hone in on the things that you particularly like and converse with the producers and learn what's driving that, right? Like, why is that, why does that wine taste so fresh? Why does that wine, why is it so complex? Why does it have so much minerality? 
So it's going to be a really incredible experience for you to really hone in on your palate and your and your preference on that, you know, gigantic spectrum of what Chardonnay can taste like. And in addition to the wines, we're going to have live music and we're going to have a charcuterie plate with cheese. So there will be plenty for you to savor outside of the incredible wines and as far as the ticketing goes, all of this is included for the price of $150. So you get the wines, you get the music, you get the beautiful ambiance of the expansive Vista Kalina lawn, and it's all yours for two hours for the price of $150. So if you're interested in buying a ticket to the Grand Tasting, you can visit the Chardonnay Classic website, which is chardonnayclassic.com, or you can search for Chardonnay Classic on the Ticket Sauce ticketing platform. Also new this year, we are super excited to announce a partnership with Festival Napa Valley to offer everybody a three-pass grand tasting ticket. So you're going to have access to three different grand tastings that are all taking place from May to November. So the first one, it's going to give you access to, of course, the Chardonnay Classic Grand Tasting in May. But then you'll also have access to the Festival Napa Valley Taste of Napa, which is happening on July 16th. So you'll be able to get into their grand tasting. And that's going to be focused more on just Napa Valley wines. And then lastly, you'll have access to the Cabernet Classic Grand Tasting, which is going to take place the first weekend in November. So all of that's being offered to you at a $100 discount if you buy that Napa Valley Grand Tasting Trio ticket. It's the normal value would be $450, but when you buy all three of them, you can purchase it for $350. So you'll get $100 savings. You'll have three fantastic grand tasting experiences to look forward to throughout the entire year. And you're going to be able to try hundreds and hundreds of wines between these three events. So be sure to check that out for those of you who like to frequent Napa Valley, it is a incredible opportunity to really dive into some amazing wines throughout the course of the year. You can visit the chardonnayclassic.com or you can go to Ticket Sauce and search for the Chardonnay Classic. If you have any questions regarding the podcast or the event, you can send those in at podcast at meritageresort.com. Once again, that's just podcast at meritageresort.com. Thank you for listening to the Merited Resort podcast, the Chardonnay Classic series. I'm your host, Ben Lazzarini. We look forward to you joining us next week.